Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 16th episode of The Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this snow moon episode, I'll be discussing erotic fantasy, meditation, and money mindset. And for the first time ever, I'll be sharing one of my very own erotic stories with you called The Ride of My Life. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is You Are a Badass at Making Money, Master the Mindset of Wealth by Jen Sincero. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for financial abundance. But first, let's talk about my own journey with erotic fantasy, meditation, and money mindset, although not in that order. A year ago, I was in hospital. I was admitted to hospital on the 12th of February for about 10 days. And it's one of the hardest things that I've ever been through in my entire life. Prior to that, I'd been resting at home while self-isolating, so I thought I had COVID. I was coughing all the time. I was incredibly weak and I couldn't eat. It was just awful. And then finally, my ex said to me, I'm doing my best looking after you, but I think you might need a doctor. Suddenly I felt very guilty about asking so much from him because he really was making an effort and he had to work at the same time and we didn't live together. So he was really coming around to mine whenever he could to check on me, to bring me food, even though I didn't really eat it. And I was so, so, so weak, like never, never before. And also I was coughing all night long, so I couldn't sleep and I was just so exhausted. Anyway, I phoned up my doctor. I have private health insurance, which is amazing. I've been paying it for many, many years. And often I've been obviously very well most of the time. So it was only last year that I actually reaped the benefits of the many years that I've been paying this private health insurance. Anyway, when I spoke to the people on the phone, they told me that I probably needed an ambulance. And they asked me which hospital I wanted to go to. And I was like, I don't know, which one do you think? Because <laughs> it was all very new to me. And I, obviously with private healthcare, I had a choice of where, where I could go. Anyway, I chose one that was in an area where I'd lived maybe 15 years before. And it was an area where I had very good memories. And it was going to be the easiest one for people to visit me. Anyway, as I was admitted to hospital, I was at first, all I wanted was just a sleeping pill so I could actually sleep because, you know, coughing, coughing, coughing all night long was just impossible. And also from not eating as well, I was absolutely exhausted. As soon as I got there, I was in a wheelchair. I was wheeled around because I didn't have energy to walk. It was just terrible. So when I was there, um, they did lots of checks on me and um, MRI scan, um, blood tests, all these different tests. And they told me that it was COVID. And I was like, oh my God. Well, I was kind of relieved actually. I thought, at least I know what it is. At least it's not something else. And then 
I was admitted to the COVID ward for a couple of days. And I was in my own private room. I had my own bathroom, which was fantastic. And I was able to have vegan food, which was amazing. I was thinking, how could you, I was, well, you know, I, I do believe that, um, being a vegan can be an obstacle sometimes, but I was very, very relieved that they were, you know, um, going to make an effort with the food and make it nice. And the food's actually quite good. And, uh, I have to say it was also quite Instagram friendly, which, uh, I know there's not common for, for hospital food, which is another reason why I'm so happy I was paying for this health insurance. But still for the first couple of days, I was barely touching it because eating was just a massive, massive effort. I was also put on a drip and um, that was very uncomfortable. I did feel a lot of um, instant relief though, as soon as this uh, drip was doing its thing in my body. But obviously having to sleep with a drip is just a pain. Obviously you had to keep your hand kind of um, flat and you couldn't go, I couldn't sleep on my side. I had to be face up and uh, yeah, it was very, very, very uncomfortable. And also the beds are not, not so comfortable either, but I was just so grateful to be in an environment where I could just, um, be looked after and not have to worry too much. But I did, did have a lot of worries in my, on my mind at the time because, um, I was also in a moment where I was actually about to move apartments just a couple of weeks later. I'd already given my notice. I had my new apartment waiting for me, the old one about to kick me out. I had lots of work. So I was so fortunate that everyone waited for me. But even so, I still kind of put pressure on myself and I was thinking, how am I going to, you know, leave here and start putting all my things in boxes and it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But first things first, I had to kind of get back to basics and just sleep, eat and get better. And all I took in, all I took in with me was my mobile phone, which really was my connection to the world. And then, and I really did reach out to my, to my followers on Instagram and, um, I received so much love from everyone. It was amazing because sometimes when I'm creating content, I feel as though I'm kind of speaking to a wall or I don't feel as though I connect with my followers in the, in, as, as best as I can. I, I think maybe I need to work on that perhaps. And sometimes I don't really realize the, the effect or the impact that I'm, that my content is having. I, I just feel like I'm just kind of publishing something and there are a few likes or whatever, a few comments. But when I published that I was in hospital, I had this incredible, um, amount of love being sent back to me from all over the world. I had messages. Someone sent, sent me a song. It was just incredible. Every single day I was receiving motivational messages and, um, and comments. And, and that really did get me through the day, to be honest, and also connecting with family members. And, um, I have quite a big family all around the world and, um, people I hadn't seen for years are really kind of, um, worried, uh, worried about me. I'm going to get emotional now just thinking about it, but it was just incredible because sometimes, sometimes I feel quite, I think, um, like invisible sometimes. And, um, I just realized that, that I wasn't and that, and that, that I mattered and I, and, and my existence had an effect on lots of people, which, um, might sound a bit silly, but I just, um, kind of needed it, I guess, at that time. So it was, um, an incredible outpouring of love from all over the place, which was amazing. And I'm so grateful for. Another thing that got me through this hard time when I was not on, on social media was actually meditation. I use this incredible app called Insight Timer, which I highly recommend. And it's really got me through some of the most difficult times of my life. I think meditation is kind of like a, 
inner, having an inner refuge that you can access at any moment in times of difficulty. And that's what really, really helped me. I did lots of uh, meditations for healing and also some sound therapy. I'm really into sound therapy and just, um, for example, binaural beats, which is a type of sound therapy that, for example, there's one frequency going in one ear and another in the other ear, and then your brain creates this wave. So you really do have to listen to binaural beats, listen it with headphones to get the real benefits. And there are different frequencies for different outcomes. And I was really focused on lung health and um, breathing and all of that. So that was just um, amazing. So I did that as well. And then, um, yeah, so the, so the meditation was amazing. And, um, but I, I did have the idea for a long time to actually create my own meditations. And I realized that, you know, even though the meditation was helping me a lot, I realized that I didn't want to be a patient. I want to be the healer. I want to be the one creating this type of content to help other people. I didn't want to be the one needing lifting up. But obviously life is like that. Sometimes you have to, you know, help others get up and get strong. And sometimes they need to help you as well. So it's kind of like a, a give and take kind of scenario. So um, that's something I really realized. <clears throat> and also something I really realized, there was a massive realization for me was um, the work of nurses. I mean, I couldn't believe, um, obviously it's a uh, you know, very, it's a very, very hard job. It's very challenging. And also to give your life to kind of be taking care of people and also kind of risking your own health. And then some of the pa- other patients were shouting and insulting the nurses. And that's something that I just could not get my head around. Because obviously throughout the pandemic, we've all been clapping for carers. And this was just, uh, I couldn't believe what they had to put up with. We, all, we already know about the hours and the conditions, but in, on top of that, they were getting, you know, the patients they're looking after were just shouting at them and being very, very um, unpleasant. So that was something that really was a big eye opener to me. So what I did was I reached out to Satisfier, my number one client, and I asked them to send me some Satisfier Pro 2s, which is the world's best-selling sex toy. And I asked for some toys for the nurses, which was a really crazy idea. But fortunately, just a few days later, I had this uh, UPS Express package delivered to my room. And every time a nurse came in to see me to um, to take my blood pressure or to to take blood or whatever, because obviously in, in hospital all day, you're kind of getting, you know, poked and prodded all day long. So there's always someone coming in every every now and again. And every time someone came in, I said, here's a satisfier. <laughs> it was an orgasm. And everyone was thrilled. Um, it was a re- really amazing because I saw how things shifted. And um, even though they were looking after me all that time, some of these nurses were um, opening up to me about their sex lives, about their emotional lives and about their exes leaving them for younger women and things like that. And I just realized that this is really what I want to do. I love um, sexual healing and how, because sex is not just about orgasms. It's very emotional. It does affect most of our life um, decisions and um, it can cause a lot of pain as well. So I wanted to bring them some joy into that area. And they were so, so thrilled. It was, it was incredible. However, it wasn't all orgasmic, unfortunately. On the flip side of that or the negative side, a couple of nurses came into my room that I'd never, I'd never seen before trying to get free satisfiers, which is just like, wow. So they're not perfect. <laughs> it was a, it was a bit like, oh my God. I mean, people had obviously, 
the uh, rumors had been spreading about the free sex toys and uh, people were coming to my room just thinking, oh yeah, go to room, I think it was 262 and you'll get a free toy. And then um, unfortunately one night I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and um, there was a nurse in my room trying to steal a sex toy. I could not believe it. And also when you're in a private room, which is amazing normally, but you're a lot more vulnerable to, to thieves. And I was just so, I was just disgusted by that. And I think it was my second last night. So the the day after I told everyone and what she looked like and, and all that. So everyone was just disgusted by this individual who had decided to take advantage of me. And um, when I saw her and I caught her red-handed, she said, oh, um, I was in here earlier and I thought I dropped something in this box. Like, oh yeah, bullshit. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear on this this podcast, but I mean, certain times maybe require these types of expressions. And I was just um, totally disgusted with humanity that night. I just thought, wow, that's just terrible. I mean, you can just, if you really want a sex toy, just buy one, you know, you don't need to steal from someone. And also you're stealing from someone else who has actually been caring for me. So yeah, that was very, 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 very annoying. Anyway, meditation has got me through some very, very difficult times in my life. And it's been my salvation, I would say, for the last um, three, four, five years even. And um, it's something that is uh, is just um, it's part of my daily routine. And also being in hospital did, um, you know, um, inspire me to create my own uh, meditations and as I am sharing them on this podcast at the very end. But also I have a profile on this app now called um, Insight Timer. And the very first or the second um, meditation that I that I created was called Healing. And I really, you know, made it with all my heart and soul just to kind of like help other people who'd been in the situation that I was in in hospital to try and, you know, believe that their, their body's going to fight whatever it needs to fight and you're going to get stronger. Because I mean, being sick is a really big blow to your self-esteem and you start, you know, believing that you start identifying with this sickness and that you're weak and that you're not going to have enough strength for certain things. And that's how I felt anyway. It really was a big, a big blow to my, to my confidence. And other times in my life when I've been, when I discovered meditation was when I discovered sex magic. Yes. Which was about four years ago. Now I was going through another time of my life of huge self-doubts and massive financial struggle. I had only, I didn't even have a pillow. I mean, um, it was very, very tough. And through meditation, um, visualization and, and sex magic, I, I really tried, I really, um, I, I would call it consensual, consensual brainwashing. And I really managed to change my mindset. It did take time. I changed my mindset to become one of abundance and prosperity, which was amazing. Cause I do think that our imaginations are very powerful. And I think it's a good to have you know, a strong imagination. So you can, um, you know, access this inner refuge that meditation provides and also that you can imagine things getting better and uh, you can visualize your life getting better or visualize something that you want to manifest in life. And that's very, very, very important. And for me, I've always had a very active imagination and this imagination has been very much connected to my sexuality actually, because when I'm actually masturbating, um, it's not really about the toy. It's about my fantasy. My fantasy is real, the real protagonist of everything. And, um, so when I discovered sex magic, I decided to put all of these resources, these mental resources together and use 
sexual fantasy with visualization of the things I wanted to manifest. And I created my own sex magic, um, my own sex magic methods, which sex magic is basically using orgasmic energy to manifest. So it's kind of like the law of attraction, but with orgasmic energy. And that's um, something that I've been doing for several years now. So every time I actually indulge in masturbation, I am I'm using a fantasy um, in which I have already manifested what I want to manifest, but there are erotic components. For example, in the apartment that I manifested, um, I was imagining receiving an incredible cunnilingus on my bed and the the, it was sunny outside and I was barefoot walking on the, uh, the parquet floor, things like that. I was kind of trying to make, trying to kind of eroticize my desire. And I'm, and I've just been, um, working on that for such a long time now. And also, um, I'm going to be sharing a story with you here. And, um, so this story is, is all about fantasy. So, I mean, I've been um, reading a lot of erotic stories recently and very few of them get me off. I think I'm just not interested in things that are about, you know, um, erotic logistics about he touched me here and there and everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm more interested in, in what's happening inside the brain, inside the mind, in the imagination and, and, and also the emotional component, not necessarily romantic, but just those things that make a touch meaningful. That's what I'm really interested in. And today I'm going to be sharing one with you one of my um, own erotic stories, which um, is, is kind of along those lines. It's more a fantasy than, than a reality. And it kind of reminds me of um, when I used to um, live at home with my parents. I'd come in from the pub late at night and there would be a foreign film on and there's all this kind of like sexual tension and intense gazes and clocks ticking, no, no, uh, saxophone music or music that you would find, usually find in American films, but all this kind of like loaded energy in the air and, um, and, and this kind of, um, energy between characters and you keep watching because you think something's going to happen, but it doesn't really happen. <laughs> That's kind of the thing that actually really turns me on a lot. But anyway, that is my, my fantasy and, um, well, it's going to come my fantasy and I, I hope you enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed this particular fantasy over the years. Now it's time for an erotic story, The Ride of My Life by Venus O'Hara. Enjoy. Let me know when you come to Paris, I read in an email from a former work colleague that I met when I lived in the French capital. Oh, I most definitely will, I thought to myself. If only you knew how many orgasms I've enjoyed in your honour over the years. I studied French at university, and as well as learning the language, I had to spend a year as an intern in Paris, in a multinational. In contrast to how sophisticated that might sound, I was actually going through what might be my most unattractive phase ever, physically speaking. I'd put weight on, and I had very bad hair. First, I blamed the croissant, French bread, butter, and the fact that I was sitting down all day long at my office desk. My extra kilos made me feel self-conscious. And to make matters worse, I'd just broken up with my f second serious boyfriend, 
I wanted to realize a physical change to reflect the change inside. So I cut bangs that ended up not suiting me at all. My low self-esteem wasn't enough to deter the attention of a male colleague in his 40s called Jacques. He was attractive in a geeky sort of way and his intense gazes used to make me blush and make me want to cross my legs under the table whenever he spoke to me. We never had to collaborate on anything work-wise, and despite this, he always made a point of talking to me whenever he passed by my desk. He was single, into art and nature, and he loved his motorbike. He always spoke slowly and corrected my French, and I always felt as though I was learning something whenever we spoke. Although he was friendly with me, he was actually socially awkward in group situations, and he always ate alone. His obvious interest in me had caught the eye of the office gossips. They told me that Jacques had a good looks where women were concerned, and that he developed a habit of paying special attention to the young, attractive females of the company over the years. To be considered as part of such a category when I was feeling pretty low was incredibly flattering. Although I had no intention of ever doing anything with Jacques, his attention gave me the confidence boost that I craved, as well as provoking feelings in me that I didn't know how to handle at the time. One day, I woke up to find that the whole Parisian public transport network was on strike. The whole city was in chaos. How was I going to get to work, I wondered. Then I remembered that Jacques had a motorbike and he'd probably love to show it off. I was consumed by a sudden wave of self-confidence and mischievous energy that was atypical of me back then. I called Jacques directly and asked him to pick me up. Just as I had predicted, he was only too happy to oblige. Meet me in front of La Tour Eiffel in an hour, I said. Up until this point, I was quite scared of motorbikes. I'd never been on one in my life. But that day, I was willing to make an exception to my own rule. It was, after all, the only way I could get to work, I told myself to justify it. I made sure I dressed up for the occasion and wore a pinstripe business suit with kitten heels. When I arrived at our meeting point, he was already there, dressed head to toe in leather. I discovered that his motorbike wasn't just any old set of wheels. It was actually a Harley Davidson. For someone like me who wasn't into motorbikes, even I was impressed. After we greeted each other, he got off his bike and proceeded to put his spare helmet over my head with incredible delicacy. I stood there quite still, closed my eyes, and every time his fingers brushed against me, without meaning to, I felt a surge of electricity run through my whole body. The helmet was tight and claustrophobic, like nothing I'd felt before. Jacques 
resumed his position on the bike and indicated to me to get on behind him. At first, I felt awkward holding on to his waist, but as soon as he started the engine, I was grabbing him as tightly as I could. My firm breasts inevitably pressed up against his back and my throbbing clitoris couldn't help but get aroused as I enjoyed a special type of frottage on the luxurious leather seat between my thighs. Thanks to the powerful engine, it felt as though I had mounted a big leather vibrator. This was especially true every time he slowed down and then accelerated. The constant speeding up and slowing down felt like a never-ending, delicious tease. As a result, I couldn't help but hold on to him even tighter. The city was chock-a-block. We weaved among the cars that were moving ever so slowly. I temporarily forgot my initial apprehensiveness about getting on a motorbike. Jacques was a responsible rider and made me feel safe as I took in the view of the most popular Parisian landmarks from an entirely new perspective. I felt as though we were in a bubble, totally oblivious to the chaos around us. I wanted this fleeting moment to last as long as possible. There was a lot of angry beeping from frustrated drivers, while I, in contrast, was secretly thrilled about the strike. I never knew that traffic could be so erotic. When we approached La Défense, the business district where our office was located, I couldn't help feeling disappointed that it was over. When he parked, I could feel that I was aroused. I got off the bike awkwardly and thanked him as he helped me to take the helmet off. Then we made our way to our respective desks. I was barely able to look him in the eye after having had my body rubbing up against his. Although the ride was over, in my mind, it has continued and repeated over and over again over the years, and we never quite reach our destination. I lie down, close my eyes, open my thighs, and press a vibrator against my throbbing clitoris. Sometimes when I feel a pulsating or wave-like vibration mode, I recall the revving engine of Jacques' bike, and I'm transported by nostalgie back to the ride of my life. In my fantasy, I hold on tighter and tighter as I rock my pelvis towards ecstasy. I imagine a whole array of different endings and outcomes that never fail to get me off. Sometimes I'm even the one riding the bike and he's the passenger behind me. Instead of just holding on to me for balance, I feel his hands all over my body, exploring me slowly. As I writhe on my unmade bed and increase the intensity of the vibrator, I remember his penetrating gaze 
his voice, how his lips barely moved when he spoke, his overall weirdness, and the thought of him makes me explode every time. Interestingly, I haven't been on a motorbike since. But now, as I prepare for my forthcoming trip to Paris, I feel a certain frisson, as I imagine meeting up with Jacques again after all these years. I recall the ride of my life, and I can't help but wonder if there'll ever be another one, only this time without the motorbike. The book I'm reading now is You Are a Badass at Making Money, Master the Mindset of Wealth by Jen Sincero. I already read the book You Are a Badass a couple of months ago and I shared that here on this podcast and I wanted to read a book that's more kind of just all about wealth mindset because I I think it's a fascinating topic and it's interesting because um, money is actually a very provocative topic, even more so than sexuality. And I brought this book along to my book club this Saturday, which is a personal development and spirituality book club. And we all bring a book that we're reading that we recommend, and we all present the book and talk about the topics involved. And it's interesting to see how people react to money. It's like money is the root of all evil. We've been taught all of these things from a very young age through religion, through seeing our parents have fight over money and just messages um, from from other people as well. We've internalized all of these things about money and it really is a provocative topic. But this book is actually to help you overcome those abundance blocks and get into the wealth mindset. It's not a book about practical tips about what to do with money. It's about really getting the mindset to attract money, which really is the basic, the first step, in my opinion, to living on the abundance frequency. Anyway, let me read you something from the the blurb. It says, learn to uncover what's holding you back from making money. Give your doubts, fears, and excuses the heave-ho. Relate to money in a new and lucrative way. Shake up the cocktail of creation. Tap into your natural ability to grow rich. Shape your reality. Stop playing victim to circumstance get as wealthy as you want to be. It's no surprise that people have all these abundance mindsets, not just, oh, the abundance, sorry, um, kind of uh, abundance blocks, because not just um, what we're taught about money from our parents, um, but also from what we see in society. For example, we have assumptions or often people, oftentimes we make assumptions that rich people are bad or that they've got to where they've got because, um, because of they've been exploiting people or that they are bad people. And something that I watched recently, I watched the Tinder swindler recently and also inventing Anna, which are two real true stories. And, um, it's all about fraud really, which is just, uh, incredible. I think people like this or these types of stories are the things that make, that make us um, think that money is evil. And for me, when I think about abundance, I don't think about private jets or handbags that are more expensive than my apartment or anything like that. I think that's a bit excessive. I think for me, money is about 
flexibility, stability. Yeah, it's two opposite things which are which money provides actually. That's the flexibility on one side, but also stability as well. But going back to the Tinder swindlers, absolutely such a fascinating story. And if you have got Netflix, I highly recommend watching it. It's about a guy who pretended to be a billionaire who lured these women into his life and with um through love bombing and taking them out on um very expensive dates and private jets etc and i think we are we can be attracted to people who are very rich or at least i've had many friends who are very rich in the past and their their sense of kind of um how would i say inner peace or lack of worry about money is something that i've always been very attracted to because i've always been very worried about money for most of my life and being around people like that who would seem to be not worried at all is kind of nice even though it's not your own money but it does it does it is is kind of addictive i would say but also what the the danger of this um these types of situations of being manipulated by someone is that our need for or our loneliness or our need for affection can make us do silly things basically so self love even though it sounds very woo woo is so important we have to really get all of our resources from ourselves before we seek to um find them in other people in my humble opinion and also the inventing anna i just watched that this weekend i binge watched it it was absolutely fascinating about this girl who pretended to be a german heiress but what i will take away from that story is her own self belief she seems to really believe her own hype and i do believe that money mindset is about your inner dialogue and what you're telling yourself that you what you deserve and if you are kind of living a more poor life that's kind of it that's like you're saying to yourself this is what i deserve anything more would make me feel uncomfortable or it wouldn't be authentic so i want to kind of like get down to the root and try and change some things about my mindset and i read the last jen sincero book because nicole mitchell actually um who was the last interviewee on this podcast the pastor turned stripper she went from food stamps to six figures a month she recommended the jen sincero book to me and i was like okay i'm going to have some of that but something else that she told me that she did was she sent herself on her phone reminders every hour about abundance and i thought wow what a fantastic resource and i've got an iphone and i haven't really been using um the reminder feature so just in the last week i've started to send myself some incredible reminders that start at 10:50 in the morning until half past 5 on weekdays so i'm getting about 12 different reminders i think and i'm going to read them to you now the first one is I am worthy of success. And then an hour later I have I deserve love, health, happiness and money. Then I am talented and I have a lot to offer the world. Then I am a money magnet. I love money because I love myself. I am grateful to money because it gives me flexibility and stability at the same time. I am ready, I am available. Please show me how. I have more than enough money. I spend money, I receive money. I spend, I save, I invest. I have more than enough money. That's actually repeated well. It's all good. It's always good to repeat things. 
But um, one of these affirmations I actually got from, or a mantra I got from a video that I saw from by Jen Sincero, which is, I am ready, I'm available, please show me how, which is a very nice mantra to kind of like tap into your intuition or connect with the divine and get some inspiration or, or some downloads or some ideas on what you should do with your life or just to try and tap into your intuition, basically. And the other ones have actually come from from this book because at the end of every chapter, there are some um, exercises, which I think are, is, a, is a fantastic thing because we can read many books, but at the end of the day, it's about how you apply them to your life. So it's always a plus to actually see some exercises at the end of every chapter to try and apply the lessons of the chapter to our lives and uh, overcome the uh, abundance blocks. And one exercise that I've been doing that I did the other day was really interesting. It's about, um, you have to write down five things things that your parents had told you about money. And um, some of the things that I wrote down were, we're not made of money. Save up. Don't spend it all at once. You never have any money. Why don't you just get married? <laughs> Which sounds a bit crazy, but hey. So anyway, in, in to kind of counter all of these um, these messages that I've internalized, probably subconscious in my subconscious, you have to make five other statements that are the opposite of that to try and kind of shift your mentality or your mindset around money. So instead of we're not made of money, I say to myself, I have enough money. And then save up, which is always good to save, but also you can't just save like a lake. It has to be in and out. It has to move, you know, this, uh, it can't be, it's a revenue stream, not a revenue lake. Um, so I've said instead, I spend money, I receive money. So it's kind of like an in-out process. And then um, don't spend it all at once, which is also good, quite good advice, really. But instead of I've written, I spend, I save, I invest. And then you never have enough, you never have any money. I've been told that quite a lot because I was a struggling student for many years and uh, and then struggling here in Spain. But now I'm saying I have more than enough money. And then finally, why don't you just get married? Honestly, I've been told that several times in my life. I wrote an article about it on my blog called Why Don't You Just Get Married? And it was a really um, the three times in my life when I've been told this terrible, given this terrible, terrible advice. I remember the first time I was studying for my psychology A-level exam and there were lots of um, names of psychologists and years and studies that we had to uh, memorize. And I was just very stressed and thinking, I'm never going to remember all of this information. And one of my friends, who was my study partner at the time, she said, um, oh, never mind. If we fail, we can just get married. And we laughed, ha, ha, ha. But to be honest, there are a lot of people who are actually taking that route and just thinking, I'm just going to find a rich man instead, even though, you know, we're supposed to be thinking about equal rights and feminism. And still people are kind of like, going to play the marriage card and just not not really do any work for their money. Well, obviously there's different types of work, but still I think um, depending on your partner for your wealth is incredibly risky. You do pay a price and it's often more than money. And also I read a statistic in a study in the UK, which said 59% of married women would get divorced if they could afford it. So that's a very dangerous situation to get into. Obviously, if you're happy and that, that's fantastic, but you don't want to be asking your husband if, if for money to buy a dress or, or whatever. You should have your own money and 
and do what you want with it. And also I think for I, I, many male friends I have, they don't want to, um, to kind of like have a kept woman. They want a woman who chooses to be with them, not one who has to be there because she has no options. So I think that's very, very, very important. The second time I, I heard this advice was, um, um, I think it was one of my friends. I was telling her that I was doing um, laser hair removal on my excess pubic hair. Well, obviously just the bits that are kind of like on the thighs or, you know, the kind of like that, and, and not completely, but just on the, the bits that you would, um, that you would see if you're wearing a thong kind of thing. And she was kind of horrified. She thought, wow, why are you doing that? You're not a porn star. I was like, well, yeah, but I'm doing it for me, you know? And then she said, um, why don't you just get married? Because when you do, when you get married, you don't have to worry about things like that. <laughs> and uh, I actually told the woman who was doing the lasering about this. And she said, when you get married, you still have to make an effort. <laughs> well, you don't have to, well, you just have to, you make an effort for you. You know, that, that's the important thing. But I think it's important to kind of like feel good. And if you want to have a full bush, that's up to you. But, but some people don't want to have one, especially in a hot country when you're in you know, going into the beach and stuff. And maybe I don't want to have um, hair on my ass or on my thighs, or whatever. So yeah, that was the second uh, bit of information. And she said, and also this laser thing is quite painful. And she said that marriage hurt more, <laughs> which was quite interesting. But um, laser is amazing because I mean, you don't have to worry. You just have to do it a few times and then the, the hair is kind of gone. But I, I wouldn't do the whole lot because um, hair is there for a reason. After all, a bit of a sidetrack from pubic hair to uh, to money. And then the, finally, I mean, when I was um, leaving, I left real estate in 2009. I had no money. I had a rat infestation. Um, I hit rock bottom and I thought it's now or never. I'm going to start my sex blog. I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And um, someone said to me from my family, just get married. Why, why are you struggling so much? Just get married. And I thought, no way. There's just no way I'm going to um, just um, kind of trying to use my feminine charms to pay my bills. There's, there's just no way at all. But I mean, sometimes I have wondered, um, you know, what you always think about how other people are living and you can't help but maybe think, oh, should I have taken that route instead? Because I remember a few years ago, I was um, looking for an apartment. This was in 2017 and I was my budget was less than now. And I was looking at these apartments that had, um, they weren't the type of places I could imagine myself going barefoot in because they were a bit kind of dingy apartments, you know. And, uh, and then I went to visit two of my friends in the UK and they were like stay-at-home wives and um, they were living in five-bedroom houses and stuff and um, not really doing anything. And I was thinking, wow, what a difference. And uh, you should see what I'm looking at. I'm looking at 20 square meters, uh, shoebox apartments. And um, yeah, it did make me, make me think for a millisecond, wow, it's very different how, it's, it's different, you know, how people live. It's uh, everyone makes different decisions. And that's it. But I rather have my own money. So my thing, so to, so to counteract the, uh, why don't you just get married? I say to myself, I am financially independent. And that is inspiration from You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I am financial. 
richly abundant. I am rich. I am wealthy. I can buy anything I want. I invest my money wisely.
money magnet. I love money and money loves me. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax. Thank you.